Nedarim Daf Pezayin, the last thing we're discussing was if a man's wife vowed and he thought it was his daughter and he annulled for his daughter, or the wife or daughter vowed on one thing and he annulled another thing and it was one big mistake. The basic idea of the Mishnah was an annulment by mistake is not an annulment and Daran explained that the same thing, if a vow was upheld by mistake, it's not upheld either. And with that, we're starting with the Gemara, Pevav Amudbet, last line. Lememra, it sounds like from a Mishnah, Deyani Otah Dafkahu. When the Pasuk says, Yani Otah, that the father or husband has to annul, when it says the word Otah, it means for her sake, means Dafka, for her sake. You can't just annul the vow, you have to annul the vow for her, specifically her. Now, the problem is, when it comes to uh, someone ripping his clothing on relatives who passed away, it says al twice in the pasuk. It says when David and uh, his men ripped their clothing when Shaul passed away, and Shaul and Yonatan. It says al Shaul ve'al Yonatan beno. It says al and al, and then also ve'al Amashem ve'al Bet Israel. And each time it says al, it shows me that a person has to rip his clothing for this specific mit. Now the problem is, we have a b'rita that says, if they told the person that your father died, and you ripped his clothing, they told him it was really his son. Yet he fulfilled his obligation of doing a kiriyah, he doesn't have to rip again. Why? Because the al, Shaul, Yonatan ben is not specific. So we could say the same thing by uh, an annulment of a vow. It says, Yani not her dafka, anything. As long as the vow was annulled, it doesn't make a difference. So the Gemara explains, Amre, there's no contradiction. Ha bistam, ha bim farish. By the breita, the, with the ripping of the clothing, when they didn't tell him who exactly died, they told him a relative died, he ripped his clothing. Vehabim Farish and the Mishnah that talks about the annulment of a vow where they actually told him who it's for. They actually specified it's for your daughter, ended up being his wife, and vice versa. And Vihatanya, we have a bright eye to prove this. Amrulo met Aviv, they told him his father died, Vikan, he ripped Vihakhim Sabin on then he found out it was his son. He didn't uh, fulfill his obligation of ripping because he ripped for the wrong person. However, Amrullah met lo met. If they told him a relative passed away, because Aviv, when he thought it was his father, Vekaran ripped his clothing, and then they found that it was his son. Then then it counts. So you see, by ripping, it also has to be specific, and only in a case where they weren't specific, then it counts. Now, Rav Asher is not really arguing; it's just a little bit too much for him to explain that they weren't specific. Rather, Rav Asher Amar, Rav Asher explains, "Kan dibur, kan dibur." It depends how fast they fixed themselves. Meaning, they told them person A, but it was really person B. They fixed it. The question is, how fast did they fix it? Is it tochkede dibur? The amount of time it's uh, it takes to talk, meaning the amount of time it takes for a student to say good morning to his rabbi. Or is it after that? Meaning, when did we say he's Yotzei Dehova the Kriya? He did his obligation. That's if he found out that it was his son within that short amount of time it takes to say good morning to a rabbi. 
meaning they told him it was father, then they changed it to his son within a couple of seconds. However, when do we say it doesn't count and he has to re-rip? That's That's if they told him after that amount of time. So they told him his father died, then let's say a couple of minutes, maybe an hour later, for example, they told him that his son died and he has to re-rip. And the same rules would apply when it comes to an annulment or an upholding of a vow. If they told him the right person within a couple of seconds, and it counts as an annulment. If they didn't, they only told him later, then he has to re-annul or re-uphold the vow. And the Gemara brings a proof. If a person has a sick person in the house, and the sick person fainted, and the person thought he died, and he ripped his clothing, and then the person actually died, he did not fulfill his obligation of ripping, he has to be ripped. When did we say it does not count? That's That's if he died afterwards, meaning, let's say an hour later, I'll give an example. If it's within a couple of seconds, he fainted, then got up and then died, then it's, it's like within a few seconds of talking to each other and therefore um, it, it counts as a rip so we see that a short amount of time it takes a student to say good morning to a rabbi that, that makes a difference if it counts or not whether it comes to ripping, annulment, uh, everything and the Gemara tells us the halacha is that within a couple of seconds of saying good morning from a student to a rabbi, it's considered that short amount of time and he, he doesn't have to do whatever he did again, ripping, annulling, etc. Except for a few places. A person who curses Hashem and then he took it back right away. Or someone who bows down to an idol, who worships uh, and then he took it back right away. Um Kadesh, if a person is Mekadesh, a woman right away took it back. Um Garesh, or a person divorces his wife and took it back right away within the Toket Dibur. In all these cases, we don't say uh, it's, uh, it's like as if you took it back. In all these cases, you can't take it back. You curse Hashem, too late. You, you bow down to the idol, too late. You can't take it back. A person's Mekadesh, a woman, that's it. She's Mekadesh. You divorced her, too bad. And the Ran explains the difference between these things and everything else is these things are so strict, so stringent, so powerful that a person has to really think of what he's doing before doing it. And therefore, once he did it, it's too late and you can't take it back. Now, by the way, over here, the Ran brings in the name of the Ramban, who writes in the name of Rabbeinu Tam, that this whole anyan of Tokhkedibur is a takanat hachamim. Why? Let's say a, a person's trying to buy something and he sees his rabbi passing by. He wants to say hello to his rabbi, but not lose out on the the buy or the sale. So he we allowing him to say good morning to the rabbi and then go back to the sale. So the whole din is uh, is the rabbanan hachamim said it's uh, it's a flat out uh, takana everywhere that a person could go back to kedibur except in these places. And the Ran doesn't understand how hachamim could uh, could uh, take something and be uh, and and all care something from the Torah. They're uprooting something from the Torah. The Ran who holds that uh, in general it's a deoraita and only in these cases it's different. 
Okay, I understand how a Deoraita can knock out a Deoraita, but according to Rabbeinu Tam and all the other Rishonim who say that it's a Rabbanan, how could Hachamim come and take out uh, something that's a Deoraita? And that becomes a big machloket between the Rishonim, very kedai to look into. Next, Mishnah. If a woman said, I'm not tasting these figs and grapes, if he upheld the fig part, then the entire vow stands. But if he annulled just the fig part, it's not completely annulled until he also annuls for the grapes. And the Ran has a different perush where it's totally not annulled. He has to annul for both of them in order for it to be completely annulled. It's either all or nothing. If a woman said, If she said, I vow I'm not going to taste this fig, I vow I'm not going to taste this grape, these are two separate vows, and if he annulled or upkept one of them, then the other one uh, can still be annulled or upheld. They're two separate vows. And again, he could annul for both of them at the same time, but if he specified the annulment or, or the upholding for one of them, then the other one can still be upheld or annulled. And the Gemara starts, Mani Matnitim, who's our Mishnah? Like, it's Rabbi Shemayel, it's like Rabbi Shemayel. Tanya, it says in regards to upholding, Ishah yekimenu veishah yeferenu, her husband shall uphold it, or her husband shall annul it. And we're understanding from yekimenu yeferenu that even if he upheld some of the vow, the entire vow stands. And uh, therefore, If she vows, she's not going to eat these figs or grapes, if he upheld for the figs, the entire vow stands. However, if he just annulled the fig part, the entire vow is not knocked out. If you uphold some of it, the entire thing stands. If you annul some of it, the other half still stands. Now, Rabbi Akiva Omer, Harehu Omer, Ishah Yekimenu, Ishah Yeferenu, then Ma Yekimenu Mimenu, Af Yeferenu Mimenu. Rabbi Akiva says the same way we learned that when the person upholds some of the vow, the entire thing stands. Same thing when you annul some of it, the entire thing gets annulled. So now let's go to Rabbi Ishmael. Rabbi Ishmael, what's he going to answer on Rabbi Akiva? So he'll tell you, does it say that he's going to annul some of it? It doesn't say that. What would he say? He would tell you, we're comparing the annulment to the upholding. The same way, upholding it, even some of it is good for the entire thing. Same thing, annulling it. You could annul some of it, and the entire thing will be annulled. And very simply speaking, our Mishnah is like Rabbi Ishmael. And Amar Rabbi Hiyabaraba, Amar Rabbi Yohanan, Zod, Rabbi Ishmael, Rabbi Akiva. This Mahloket is the Mahloket between Rabbi Ishmael and Rabbi Akiva. Aval Hachamim Omrim, Makisha Kamala, Farah, we're going to compare the upholding of a vow to the annulling of a vow. Ma Farah, Ma Shefer Hefer, Afakama, Ma Shekiem Kiem. The same way by annulment, whatever you annulled, you annulled. Same thing by upholding, whatever you upheld, you upheld. They are not Toresh that, uh, that Yefirenu, some of it, they are not Toresh that at all. Next, we learned in the Mishnah, Amra Konam Te'ena, if a woman said she's not going to eat this fig, this grape, it's two separate vows. And Amar Matnitin is Rabbi Shimoni, he holds it's two separate vows. The Amar, 
this is in regards to Shavuot Pikadon. Uh, let's say if five people are coming up to one person and says, hey, we gave you collateral to watch and can we have it back? And he says, I swear that I don't have anything by anybody over here. He's only have one swear, meaning if he lied, he only has to bring one korban. Until he says uh, a swear to each specific person. But if he says, uh, I swear, I don't have not for you, not for you, not for you, he's only have one korban. And same thing when it comes to a vow. If a woman said, uh, I vow no figs, no grapes, it's it, with one day there, then she's only have one. But can I to look at that on how Hachamim argue and they hold its uh, different vows. Next Mishnah. A husband who said, I know that what my uh, what my wife vowed is a vow. I just didn't know I have the ability to annul the vow. Yafir. Then he could annul when he finds out afterwards. And the Ran explains, even though the, even though the Torah only allows you to annul that day, but that's only if you had the ability to to annul. If you didn't have the ability to annul, like in this case where he didn't know he had the ability to annul, then he's allowed to annul, annul later. Now, a husband who said, I knew I have the ability to annul. I just didn't know this was a vow. Or better yet, I didn't know this was a vow that I was allowed to annul. Rabbi Meir says he cannot annul. And the way the Ran explains Rabbi Meir is one of two ways. Either that Rabbi Meir holds that the husband has to hear that vow that day and he has to know that he could annul it that day. But if one of them is missing, like he heard it, except uh, he just didn't know he's allowed to annul that type of vow, then he cannot annul anymore, even at a later date. That's one way of understanding Rabbi Meir. Uh, the second way of explaining it is that he cannot annul after the day he heard it, but the day he heard it, he is allowed to annul. And on the other hand, Hachamim hold is allowed to annul because just knowing about it or knowing the ability to uh, to be able to annul this vow is good enough to let him annul that day he heard. And he never lost his ability. Next, the Gemara starts. We saw that if the husband said, I knew she made a vow, I just didn't know I'm allowed to annul this type of vow, that according to Rabbi Meir, he cannot uh, annul even that day. And according to Hachamim, uh, he, which is Rabbi Uda, he could annul that day. The problem is, Urmin Hu. We have a Mishnah, this is about uh, if someone killed someone by, by mistake, he has to run to an Ir Miklat. The Pasuk says, Belore Ot. If a person killed someone by throwing a rock and uh, he wasn't able to see. And according to Yehuda, if a blind person killed someone by mistake, he does not have to go to Galut. We're coming to include the blind person. Why? Because he feels someone coming up to him slowly. He has to be extra careful. Now, bottom line is, you see that Rabbi Meir over here says that even though the blind person doesn't see... He's missing a knowledge of the person in front of him. Still, he has to go to Galut. And Rabbi Huda holds that a little bit of knowledge is not considered knowledge in order to be Mechayevim Galut. The problem is, in our Mishnah, we understand the opposite. That according to Rabbi Meir, the husband who knows that there's uh, the, he has the ability to annul, just to know this was a, this was a, a nullable a vow, 
it sounds like the Rabbi Meir, a little bit of knowledge is not like the, uh, knowing the entire thing. And then from Rabbi Yehuda who says that you could annul, it sounds like a little bit of knowledge is good enough to be able to annul. So the Chorah, Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda argue on what they hold over here in the Mishnah. And with that, we'll stop right here. Baruch Hashem Le'olam. Amen. Ve'amen.